Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. And you are the listeners. Hello and welcome to Funk Radio. I don't remember how both of us stumbled upon this, but we're doing an album review today. We haven't done one in a while, so that should be fun. Mm -hmm. We're going to be reviewing um, the new Avalanches album that just came out yesterday, I believe. As of this recording, it was yesterday. It was uh, December 11th. 2020 yeah uh, the new album by the avalanches that dropped uh it's called we will always love you it's their third studio album it came out about four years after uh wildflower which i think we yeah. reviewed on this show correct me if i'm wrong we did um that was back i believe it was 2016 when that came out um yeah that was episode 160 wow that seems really long time ago right i mean that's a little more than halfway point to where we are now which is actually that's a lot earlier than i thought it was yeah so the big the big thing with that last album was that uh so the avalanches basically i don't i don't i wouldn't call them djs but they basically they had in the first album they released in 2000 they had this uh very unique uh style that, that has since been kind of i think it's dubbed like plunder phonics or something like that where basically they take snippets of samples of like hundreds from different places and merge them into music. And uh, that is an incredible album in itself. But um, after they released that, they kind of went off the grid for 16 years yeah. and everybody kind of just assumed that they were gone forever. And then all of a sudden in 2016, they released that album, which was also really great. So to have this one come out four years after that, I guess is a bit less of a shock yeah uh they're definitely back um yeah you're right this album is definitely a bit more distinct from wildflower in that it's not as sample heavy i would i would say yeah uh, it's a lot it's a lot more collaborative i think of an album as far as them collaborating with a lot of uh other famous musicians and featuring them on their songs not that they didn't do that in wildflower um but it seems like they've kind of taken yeah. that up a notch i i, I have this theory i don't know if it's true or not that because they came out of hiatus to do wildflower uh the the news of that and and basically the success of that album got them noticed by a lot of other artists which gave them the sort of creative clout to um work with a lot of these other talented musicians singers what have you rappers which is why this album is like a christmas list of pretty much every artist i like right now being featured <laughs> yeah well it, i do find it interesting because the like i was mentioning a minute ago like their first album was so heavily stylized in that sampling technique and you obviously still got that in that second album but then you started to see a shift toward working in like actually like produced music that's kind of mixed into it mm-hmm. and this one is so heavily now into just producing music like in a more traditional sense and working in samples of course on top of that but it it, it takes much of more of a backseat so i i found this little snippet that kind of actually explains the mentality behind this it said quote we will always love you is built upon sampling but is less of a plunder phonics record than the previous material robbie chater one of the two guys of the avalanches explains that making sample based music is time consuming according to him that their first album had 900 different samples in it and they set out to use samples as the basis of their songs, but 
um, added instrumentation themselves to easily, basically some make music more uh, quickly and efficiently than they mm-hmm. had in their earlier work. And it says they brought in guest vocalists because it takes less time than searching for samples for months. And Chater still compared finding the right vocalist to searching for a sample. I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, it's it's something you don't really think about with a lot of these, um, these as you call them, plunderphonics style DJs. It's like they scour over you know, songs and samples to find like the perfect thing to fit whatever theme or creative feel they're going for. And it, it, they could spend months trying to find like the perfect, like, you know, two second loop. <laughs> so I, I guess a comment I wanted to make uh, along these whole lines, because I'm glad that we're talking about this whole sampling concept, I guess, with this, mm-hmm. is that I feel like if, if anyone were to go through that grueling process of looking for the perfect samples for months and compiling something out of that, it would have been the avalanches and it was early on. And so to see them move away from that, like I totally respect like their reasoning for it. Mm-hmm. But I also, part of me is also kind of sad that they are shifting away from that because they had proven themselves to be absolute masters at that. And now they're moving yeah. on to what would be considered more traditionally produced music, which I mean, the, it, we'll get into it obviously in this review, but because there's some great stuff that comes from that. But to see th- them being really one of the only musical artists that use that technique, especially to that extent, mm-hmm. um, I think having them move away from that, there's something a little bit sad about that. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like They're basically like some of the greatest masters of sampling Yeah, and took that to like a new level, basically, and to see them kind of move more towards traditional producing is, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I get what you're saying. Uh I think, at least with this album, it seems like they're kind of uh, trying to find that happy medium between, yeah. you know, samples and live, basically recording, studio recordings, yeah. which, I mean, isn't a bad thing, I guess. Um, it does, like I said, yeah. allow for collaboration with current artists as opposed to using samples from often, you know, long, most probably long dead artists. I know a lot of their samples were like very old. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that kind of that kind of sums up like you know their their style and obviously where they started from. Uh, I don't know if we said both of their names. Uh, the Avalanches are made up of two guys: Robbie Chater and Tony De Blasi. Probably butchering that. And the concept that they had behind this album, as uh, along with obviously like Peter was saying, uh, using a lot more studio recordings in collaboration with current artists, is uh, we found a quote from them. Uh, I don't know which guy it's from, but it says, quote, when we're sampling very old recorded music, the singer may have long passed, which is kind of like what I was saying. Uh, so it's almost like summoning spirits. If we sample a record from the 40s, someone else has owned that record for maybe 50 years and played it a million times. And so they added to the crackles of the, on the vinyl. Then that record uh, has come into my life and we've sampled it and made a song out of it. It's just a beautiful flow of energy that were only a small part of, and so the album was reflecting on all those sorts of processes. So, kind of yeah. going back to what you were saying, that's interesting that this, the the concept of this album is almost like the idea of the of recycling of music, and how, yeah. you know, the the original artist, whether even though they're a lot of times dead, their music lives on in all of these different forms, kind of like it's out in the universe. 
Yeah, and, and in a way, when I read that description of, of like their idea behind the album, that actually made me feel a little bit better about their kind of new musical direction, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's obviously still like a very core part of their intention behind the music, even if they're doing it a little bit differently now than they were before. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, it's still very much an inspiration for them. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. It seems like they still understand the uh, creativity that goes into their sampling that they do. Yeah. And, you know, searching for um, the perfect samples, I guess. Alongside that, something else that I found um, from an article from NME, which is a music blog, talking about the creative inspiration for the album, uh, it says, quote, The making of We Will Always Love You was guided by Chater's interest in a story about legendary astronomer Carl Sagan and the NASA creative director Anne Druyan. Uh, back in 1977... They were responsible for assembling two music and audio-filled phonograph records containing a range of sounds and images, which demonstrated the abundance of music and culture on Earth. These discs would be boldly blasted out into the stars aboard NASA's Voyager space probes. This expedition continues on ever deeper into the cosmos, perhaps one day presenting humanity's uh, eternal sonic epitaph. So basically, I, I, I know we've actually talked about the Voyager record on the yeah. show before, which is kind of interesting. But basically For listeners who are curious, that was episode two oh five and we talked about like a few of the things because there's I think there was like dozens, if not hundreds, of different like sound samples on those records. Mm-hmm. And we played at least a few of them and talked about them. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Uh but basically tying it back into I guess their original concept, it, this idea of when you put music out there into the universe, both metaphorically and in this case physically it's immortal. It lives on forever, uh, mm-hmm. essentially. And I, I think that they were struck by that idea of like the eternal nature of music and really creativity in general. Mm-hmm. Music, unlike a lot of other mediums, is something that, you know, depending on the format it's in, can't really be destroyed because it's constantly being replayed, re-recorded, remastered, reissued. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, it's it's funny that though once I read that about their inspiration with the Voyager spacecraft, it kind of explained a lot of the I, I'll call it graphic design and iconography that I was noticing on both mm. the album art as well as some of the singles. Is it's very reminiscent of the symbology that was used on Voyager spacecraft as mm. kind of pictographs or hieroglyphs or whatever to communicate to other intelligent life what we were without using language oh yeah because i think i seem to remember they used a lot of like mathematical concepts to kind of get the point across Mm -hmm. on those records because that's they said that that would be something that like a universal language of sorts basically yeah so i thought that was interesting and yeah if you look at some of the um graphics uh on the album and even inside i guess if you have an lp of it it's it's kind of reminiscent of like the vitruvian man and stuff Mm. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. So listeners, this is a 25 song album. Uh, and I think it's a little, it's like, yeah, it's an hour and 11 minutes long. So obviously we're not going to go through all of those songs individually. Um, we picked out a fairly good list actually of ones that we like that we're going to touch on. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, Kyle, um, I wanted to ask what your, cause there were a lot, they were just like, somewhere between five and seven different singles that came out for this album before it released. Mm-hmm. And 
I I'm curious what your uh, predictions were, or like how how you thought you were going to feel about this album before you actually got to listen to it. Well, it's it's funny because uh, I don't know if I said at the top of the show, but like the way I stumbled upon this album is literally like a couple weeks ago. I stumbled upon um, one of their singles, uh, Interstellar Love, which we'll we'll talk about later in the show. But it was uh, they were playing it on XM uh, XM radio mm. station I listened to, and it was it said you know Interstellar Love, Avalanche is featuring Leon Bridges, and I was just like, what the hell? Uh, I like <laughs> both of these artists. I've never heard this song, and I really dug it. And then I kind of just forgot about it. I, I like Shazammed it, and then it was just that was it. And then you mentioned to me maybe a week after that, if that, you're like, like, did you realize that Avalanches are coming out with an album, and we completely missed this? And yeah, so I like I, happened to click on them on Spotify for I was, I was I was poking around with music, and I saw they had released some new stuff, and I was like, wait a minute. So they looked it up and realized. Like five days after I realized that the album was coming out, I was like, <laughs> "How have I not heard about this?" They re- they announced it like the beginning of the year. Yeah, so essentially, I guess they've been slowly trickling out singles since like March, I think, of this year. Basically, about when the co- first COVID lockdown uh, happened, and yeah, they've just been trickling out um, singles ever since. And I just apparently they just all flew over my head. Funny aside, really quick. Uh, apparently, the group originally actually planned for the album to come out in May, but because the pandemic delayed uh, CD and vinyl pressings because a lot of the factories shut down, mm-hmm. they had to delay the release. Uh, all the vinyl plants in the U.S. were shut down, so they end up having to use a plant in Eastern Europe. Um, oh, wow. But they even that plant couldn't deliver the record uh, in large enough quantities until December. So mm-hmm. that's why it's coming out early December, I guess. It's uh, it's interesting to. I I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole with this, but I just want to say that I think it's interesting that, you know, we to, these days we talk about how physical media is dead in terms of music, mm. but you see a release of an album being pushed out by six seven months because of those processes being delayed. You know, yeah. So it's uh, I, and obviously they're they're quite a bit more independent and not. Uh, I, I mean, like they they have more. They I think they place more emphasis on like because you can buy this album on like cassette mm-hmm. and vinyl and all that. And I think a lot of modern releases probably wouldn't have it at least to that extent. Um, yeah. So I think they probably they placed enough emphasis on it that it did make a difference. Whereas with another modern release, that might not be the case. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, they're a lot more about like the tactility of music uh, than maybe some other artists are. So yeah. they. We're willing to push back the release date to be able to have the physical mediums rather than just dropping it on Spotify or something. Right. And being like, oh, we'll have records when we have them. So getting back to your initial thoughts, like what, how, how, were you, how were you expecting to feel about this album before it came out? It definitely, because the, the, the two songs that I heard before we got the, really the full album that I really dug were uh, Interstellar Love featuring Bruno Mars, Jesus. Featuring Leon Bridges. <laughs> that would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. Featuring Leon Bridges. And then the song Running Red Lights uh, featuring Rivers Cuomo uh, from Weezer. And just the fact that those two songs were featuring two completely different artists, both of which I, I have great appreciation for, mm-hmm. I was really curious about the uh, 
collaborative nature, I guess, of this album as opposed to Wildflower, but it definitely sounded more, uh, I don't know how to describe it, like club friendly, if that makes sense, mm. than Wildflower, because I, I even noticed in these two, uh, these two singles, it was a lot less sample heavy, at least in the, the way that I could easily recognize, like they're using samples for this. Um, it sounded good. It sounded well produced, but yeah, they're very much, both of these songs seem like very like dance influenced music as opposed to some of their other stuff from uh, Wildflower. I guess after hearing the full album, I don't know, it's, it's an eclectic mix for sure, but <laughs> it definitely has more of like a, an upbeat vibe, I think, than Wildflower, and it's a little bit less experimental. Like, some of the songs on Wildflower, like mm. Frankie Sinatra, yeah. um, even though I know they released that as a single, those were just super out-there songs. And I think most of the stuff that I heard off this album played it a little bit safer than that. Uh, not that it was bad, it's just it wasn't as just off-the-wall bizarre as a mm -hmm. song like that. I feel like there were elements of this album that are slightly experimental but like you said they're not nearly as much as because i mean like their first album was like as a whole that was very experimental i would say mm -hmm. personally and you still got a, a, quite a bit of that with wildflower but with this one it feels a lot more just grounded in reality if you will yeah um for better or for worse i suppose but thinking about so for me going into like before this album came out in the last five days <laughs> that i knew it was a, it mm -hmm. was going to exist because um, I had listened to all of the singles, not only the two that you mentioned that I also really liked, but some of the, some of the other ones as well. And a few of the other ones I really did not care for. And I, I think the mix of hearing kind of this new musical direction and knowing that I already didn't like some of the songs, I came into this album feeling like I kind of had a preconceived notion that I wasn't going to like this album very much. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to say that while... While I would say that I don't like it as much as the other two albums, there are some songs on here that I really do like, and I definitely overall enjoyed it quite a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. It's like, I don't like the album overall as much as I liked Wildflower, but there's like two or three songs off this album that may be some of my top favorite like of anything that they've done. Um, yeah, that, that's a fair statement. I would say the same. So it's like the album as a whole doesn't hold well as well as Wildflower, but there's like yeah. there's like cherry picked songs out of this album that just like sound really good, and I think a lot of that goes back to the collaboration that they did with these artists. I think they, mm. I think that they were the, these artists were involved enough in the creative process. It wasn't just like a you know just have them record a Zoom call of them singing or something. <laughs> yeah, and. I think those songs benefited well for it. Like, for example, Running Red Lights features Rivers Cuomo of Weezer. It's, mm. he's, his voice is very unmistakable, but it sounds like it could be like a sort of dance-friendly Weezer song. It doesn't just sound like, oh, he's singing on mm. some Avalanche's song. So it seems yeah. like they brought in the sort of eclectic attributes of these different artists and kind of fused them with their own stylings, which mm -hmm. I appreciated. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, mean, I think the result overall is really interesting. And like you said, some of the songs on this are probably some of their best work. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I certainly appreciate that it exists, even if it, it I wouldn't 
I wouldn't classify it as being like like ten years from now. Am I going to remember this album? Probably not to a great extent. Mm-hmm. But here we are, literally twenty years from the first album, mm-hmm. and like we're still talking about that one. You know what I true. mean? Yeah, so very true. So yeah, um, I think we covered most of like our thoughts on the album as a whole, as well as obviously their their inspiration behind it. Um, now we want to, I guess, get into some of the songs. When, like like Peter said, we're not going to go through every song. There's like twenty five of them. Uh, we're just going to go through some of our favorite songs, talk about why we liked them or why we didn't like them, and play little snippet, snippets for you guys uh, just long enough that they don't sue us. <laughs> for sampling them. Yeah, we sampled a sample. So I, I don't know if we want to go through them. In, or I, I wrote them down in order, but if you want, we can jump around. Um, I know you've already mentioned a couple. I don't know if it's worth just starting with those. Or... Sure, sure. Um, I mean, the first one I mentioned and, and the first one I heard off the album at all was, as I said, Interstellar Love featuring Leon Bridges. I don't have a ton to say about it other than the fact that I love Leon Bridges. I love that they worked with him. Uh, the song's really catchy. Uh, it's got a nice tempo to it. it seems very, like, driving-friendly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I I dig this song. It's probably my second or third favorite off the album. Yeah, for, for same for me, too. And actually, I, I want to make a quick note that we've... I forgot, but we've actually reviewed two of Leon Bridges' albums before on this mm-hmm. show. And he's like kind of a, a modern, for those who don't, who don't know, he's kind of like a, a, a modern singer who sings in the style of soul music that sounds very authentic from like, say, the 60s or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of his whole bag. So it, it, I was definitely interested to hear what his contributions would be to the Avalanches because I, like you said, like they're, those are both artists that I like, but they're like on completely different planes of existence almost musically yeah, yeah. so but I, I i do agree that i think the collaboration here worked out really well it, it, i will say it did take a few plays for it to grow on me because like the first couple of times i listened to it i was like this is good but i don't love it um but since then i think i've grown to appreciate it a lot more mm-hmm. so shall we go ahead and listen to a little clip i think we should So the the other song that you mentioned is actually one of the last songs on the album, um, but it, I agree that it was one of the best uh, singles. Uh, the song "Running Red Lights," featuring mm-hmm. Rivers Cuomo. I like the song. I like Rivers Cuomo. Um, there's a really cool rap um, breakdown by a rapper named Pink Sifu. And as Peter said, since they were releasing a lot of these as singles, they also have music videos for a good handful of them. And the music video, <laughs> one thing. One thing you'll know about the Avalanches is on top of them producing really good music, they have some of the just most bizarre but just amazing music videos like in the realm of music videos. They've made some really weird ones, yeah. The music video for the song, go watch it on YouTube, listeners, uh, when you have a chance, is amazing. And I don't want to spoil too much because it, it, you just have to like watch it. But it's fun. <laughs> it's, it's silly, uh, yeah. like a lot of their stuff is. But... I think the the music video almost endeared the song more to me than even just hearing the song by itself. Hmm. Uh, it was definitely a good match for sure. Because sometimes you get music videos, even by them, I feel like, where what you're what's happening in the music video is it almost feels too disjointed from the song itself. 
Mm-hmm. But this one, I feel like it, it blended really well. Another thing I want to mention really quick um, is the the artist Pink Sifu. I, like I said, I, I, I hadn't heard of this guy. I didn't know who he was. And for some reason in my brain, I thought it was one of the singers from a tribe called Quest. Oh. Because I thought that it he was like, it was a moniker from the guy Q-Tip from a tribe called Quest because they sound almost identical to me. Oh, interesting. But it is not him. It's a completely different guy. He's just kind of mm. get that like soft spoken rap style about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is not anything to do with the tribe called Quest, which would have been amazing, by the way. But mm-hmm. sadly, they did not collaborate with the Avalanches. Not yet. This is, tr- this is true. So, should we play a little clip of uh, Running Red Lights? Yes, please. Okay. a fun one i i I feel like it's upbeat but it's not too um it's not it's not necessarily one that would blast at the club but it's still it's kind of like a positive sounding song i guess yeah that's something i've noticed a lot throughout this album is it's all it's all very positive Mm -hmm. and i think it goes back to their original sort of no pun intended mission statement of being inspired by the uh, eternal nature of music of Mm -hmm. death of the universe and life so I think they kind of saw, you know, so many people associate the idea of death and life and the universe in like a very uh, macabre or mm. sort of existential sort of way. So I think they kind of wanted to flip that and be like, no, it's something to be positive about, you know. Yeah. And there are there are some sadder sounding songs or at least more kind of um, less positive or subdued perhaps um, yeah, but I, I I don't feel like they bring the album down too much. No, I, I feel no, like it's I, pretty well balanced. I agree. What other songs stood out to you, Peter? Um, I would like to talk about um the fourth song, the Divine Chord, featuring mm-hmm. MGMT and Johnny Marr. Um, this is definitely one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of the first upbeat fun song of the album even though it's the fourth one uh at least if that, that i remember it's the first one that kind of stuck out to me anyway uh, i don't know about you but i personally i felt that i could hear pretty strongly the mgmt like musical influence in this song oh yeah for sure yeah for those of you that don't know listeners i don't know if we've talked about them on the show mgmt is kind of an indie band um they have a really famous song from like the mid 2000s called electric feels uh, really good band. You should check them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a very distinct sound to them too. And you're right, Peter. I can definitely hear that influence in this song, which kind of goes back to what I was saying before. I think a lot of these artists had more than just, you know, oh, we're just going to record you singing the, the lyrics we want you to sing and mm-hmm. slap it into our song. I think it, they had very a lot more influence on the direction of the songs that they were involved in. Yeah, I, I can tell that for sure. I think I think that's actually a really good point. They're not just vocalists. I feel like they're actually like playing a part, co-producing the, or something. Yeah, but yeah. No, it's it's a really good song. I love MGMT. Uh, I don't really know who Johnny Marr is to be honest. Uh, no, nope, I don't. <laughs> let me see really quick. And we're Funk Radio, so we don't research it ahead of time. <laughs> um, while you while you type away at that, Kyle, why don't we give the listeners a little 
taste of the divine chord. Okie doke. So I guess, fun fact, Johnny Marr was the uh, singer from The Smiths. Uh, he was oh, active from 82 to 87. Huh. Yeah, not not a huge fan of The Smiths personally, to be honest. They're, they're along the same line as like The Cure and stuff from the 80s. Mm. That kind of like early emo music. So something I actually noted mentally when I was listening to this song is I felt like this one actually could have fit pretty seamlessly into Wildflower, their last album. Yeah, I can see that. Because that, al- that album overall had a very distinct thematic sound to it. But I felt like this song could have fit pretty well. Like, maybe not perfectly, but pretty well. Yeah, I agree. It's much more of that sort of... It's a lot more mystical sounding and kind of like... Uh, what's the word for like something that's like lighthearted and carefree? I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty um, good description. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 got that nature about it, uh, as opposed to some of these other songs. So yeah, yeah, no, I agree. This this definitely could have been part of Wildflower, and who knows, maybe it was on the cutting room floor for that album. You never know. So what's the next one you want to talk about, Kyle? Um, the next one I want to talk about is uh, "Oh the Sun," featuring Perry Farrell. Mm. This is another one that kind of caught me off guard just because of the collaboration. For those of you that don't know, Perry Farrell was the lead singer of the 90s, I guess you could call them grunge band, uh, Jane's Addiction. Hmm. And he's got a really distinct, kind of unmistakable voice as well. That's something I've noticed on this album. A lot of the artists they pick hmm. have, are, are very distinctual in their sound or style or singing. So it's like they purposely pick people that were recognizable. That might go back to that quote from Robbie Chater, how he was talking about like finding the right sample. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's almost like he was he or they were looking for a very specific vocal style in some of these cases, and that's why you end up with these people who aren't just like your everyman vocalist. Like they have their own kind of distinct sound to them. So yeah, there yeah. could be some connection there. But yeah, I I love like the bass riff in this. It's like super funky, like more yeah. funky than most of the stuff on this album. And yeah, Paraferral sounds really good. I don't know how old he is now. He's got to be getting up there. But yeah, I don't know. This I think there's. I guess I could just categorize as saying this was the funkiest song on the album. Yeah. I, so I actually wrote a similar note that I like that disco bassy backbeat is probably like one of my favorite in the whole album. Mm-hmm. My only complaint about this song is that it's only two minutes and eighteen seconds long. Yeah. Uh, that- I easily could have listened to a version of this that was twice that long. That's something I wanted to comment on, and that's a good segue, actually, really quick, is, as we mentioned, there's 25 songs on this album, but almost half of them are probably under two minutes or around two minutes, Mm -hmm. and it's almost like they had these longer songs, and then they just kind of interspersed it with, like, just little sampleistic stylings that they were playing around with but maybe didn't you know flesh out a full song from or something Hmm. it's kind of it's kind of an interesting dynamic but you're right there's a handful of short songs in here like like you said this one is two minutes and 18 seconds there's ones in here that are literally a minute long and i'm just like that sounded cool but it's so short that i would never really want to put it into my you know 
playlist rotation because it's like, I want more of it. <laughs> I actually have a couple of comments on that, but first, why don't we go ahead and yeah, play yeah. a clip? Sorry, um, sidetrack. No, that's, that's actually a good conversation, but um, I, I will break it up by playing a little clip of Oh, the Sun. So to kind of touch on what you were just saying about like some of the songs being really short, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I have two different comments about that. One in one direction, um, I hadn't thought about this previously, but when you said that, it reminded me of something practically identical that we have said before about um, Brock Berrigan because we've we've reviewed yes. a few of his albums, yes. and he has a similar sampling style, but a lot of his songs are like maybe two and a half minutes long on average. Mm-hmm. And I remember us in one of those album reviews saying something very similar of like, our only complaint is that we want some of these songs to be longer mm-hmm. because they almost feel like it was a good, it was like finding a really good sample that worked really well, but then like not fleshing it out into like a full traditionally, you know, three to five minute song. Yeah. So. I mean, I guess from an artistic standpoint, that's not a bad complaint to have. It's like, hey, your shit's good. I want more of it. <laughs> No, yeah, but I mean, it, the, the, it, there are definitely worse complaints to have <laughs> about music. Yeah, it, it, it just kind of makes you feel un... It, it, like like when you get like the sample at like Costco, and you're like, that was good, but I'm hungry now, and then you have to buy the full item. It's like that feeling. <laughs> well, if they, if they had a full version of this song that you had to pay more for, I would have paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> they're, the, they're like the EA of artists. They like give you samples, and then you have to pay extra for like the DLC. DLC yeah. for an album? Oh my god, that'd be horrible. <laughs> I was gonna say, don't give anybody any ideas. The uh, the other comment I wanted to make about some of the songs being short is that I actually would not say necessarily in many cases, but in this case, I feel like this leads in seamlessly into the next song. Yeah, and it's almost like listening to them, you don't really even notice very strongly, like the the break split from the one songs. to the from one to the next. So it's almost like this and the next song blend into each other into like a six minute long song that's a good point this this album you can definitely tell was designed to be to be listened to in its entirety um well and they've always done that i actually feel like this one does it the least of their three albums because yeah um yeah it it does do it fairly well though i will say yeah that's always you're right that's always kind of been the avalanche style is the like they take the album as a whole as an entire experience not just oh here's a single have fun Mm -hmm. I think that's part of why there's these short songs in there. They almost act as like interludes between mm-hmm. the more fleshed out songs. And you're right. Maybe that was the intention the entire time. It's like, you know, okay, yeah, we have 25 songs, but 12 of them are full fleshed out productions. And these other ones are kind of just interludes to kind of almost in a DJ sense blend from one song to the next. Yeah. And it could be that so. those kind of, more DJ-esque roots kind of lend themselves to that blending style mm-hmm. in, when it comes to an album. So since we're talking about going into that next song, I feel like it's pretty natural for us to just talk about that one as well, uh, the song We Go On. Yes. Oh my god. This this song was probably, probably my second favorite to um, Running Red Lights. Mm. And it, it, was, it was funny because it wasn't one they released as a single, unlike yeah. a couple of the others we mentioned. 
but this song is so freaking catchy. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I actually will say, because like when I the first few times I heard it, I was like, this is a really fun song, but I actually think it, it has now, I think it might have, it might actually have become my favorite song from this album. Oh, wow. Um, at least the one that I play the most, mm-hmm. just because it is so catchy. I can't pinpoint exactly what it reminds me of, but the the sample line and like the high pitched tone of mm. the the singer cola boy with the we go on i don't know it's very 80s sounding like like the bangles or something i actually wrote down that this song reminds me a bit of their 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 first quote-unquote song uh since i left you from their original album this actually yes. felt like there was some parallels with that song and yeah maybe that's it because since i left you is easily my favorite song that they've ever done mm-hmm and you're right, it does uh, stylistically sound very similar to that. It's, it, it's I don't want to say high-pitched vocals, but like that sort of falsetto, 80s, mm-hmm. reverby sound to it. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. I like, I wouldn't say they sound the same, but I, I being familiar with one, I can see similarities with the other, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, so the the I don't know, I, I'm pretty bad at like recognizing this kind of stuff, but it, like I don't know whether it's some kind of like bass synth or a drum machine or something in this song but it's like freaking sick and uh, me... like it kind of like underpins the whole song yeah yeah and that's it sounds... that's like one of my favorite elements of this song too musically I, I i i'm bad at like identifying that kind of stuff though yeah it's 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 interesting it sounds synthy but it also sounds percussive i don't know yeah I, but yeah no you're right it sounds good um at the risk of sounding stupid because i know you mentioned this in your notes who's mick jones Oh yeah, so he was on the song too. So um, he, so he was the 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 lead man of the Clash. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> and he did a bunch. He did some other experimental stuff after that with like Big Audio Dynamite, and he did like a couple other things. I think in the late eighties to the early nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's funny. I it literally just now clicked that that's who that is. As soon as you said the Clash, I was like, holy shit! Yeah, yeah. That makes me like the song about 20% more, so thank you for that. So like we said, those last two songs kind of blend together almost into one song. And actually, I will say that even though We Go On is, uh, I think, over a little over four minutes long, mm-hmm. um, that's another one where I still could have been happy with it being like 50% longer. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Not not long enough. I need six minutes of this. Yeah. But yeah, no, the, I, I'm glad you agree that this is probably my second favorite song off the album, only just slightly behind Running Red Lights. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, something I wanted to mention really quick because I keep forgetting mm-hmm. to say it is that I so I went out for a little bit earlier this morning and mm-hmm. I was like, I want to listen to some of this album, but I only want to listen to like the ones that I like. I don't want to like have to skip past the ones I don't like while I'm driving. Yeah. So I made a very short playlist of like the six ones that I like the most out of this album. Mm-hmm. And I realized as I was listening to it, I was like, this makes a really good EP. Oh, like just releasing like, like those songs, like just pulling those songs and playing them together because like mm-hmm. they don't feel disjointed necessarily mm-hmm. for like for people who wouldn't want to listen to an over an hour long album that has some 
like more experimental pieces to it, I feel like that makes a good like miniature version of it. Yeah, I wish. I mean, I know, I know why they don't, but I wish more artists would do that. Like release like an EP before they release like a full album. It's like a rather than like oh you got to buy all these stupid singles. It's like you know here's an EP of like four or five songs off the forthcoming album. And then if you like those songs, you could just buy the EP and be happy. Um, but I get yeah. why they don't, you know. Really quick, I want to talk about one song on here that made me sad. Not because I didn't okay. necessarily like it, but because I felt like the artist was underutilized, or at least not utilized in the way that I would have hoped mm. uh, in this song. And that is the song Gold Sky featuring Kurt Vile. Mm. Kurt Vile is like a sort of an indie musician. He's got like a very southerny, I don't know how to describe it, twang to him. And I was excited when I saw that he was featured on the song. However, his vocals, it doesn't really make as great use of his uh, uh, singing talent, I guess. It kind of just sounds like he's reading a poem or something. Like, it's almost yeah. like spoken word. And it kind of threw me off. I was just like, oh, okay. And so because of that, I just didn't really jive with this song as much as I did with some of the others. Smoking flowers, afraid to fly and afraid to die. And somewhere miscellaneous I let my soul slip away. I jump so high, I jump so low. Perhaps it's because I wasn't as familiar with him going into it. Like, I, I didn't necessarily dislike the song it's not one that i've like gone back and replayed necessarily yeah, yeah but it wasn't uh it didn't stick out to me as one that i was waiting for it to be over <laughs> yeah and, and that maybe just be it it just it otherwise what would be a less memorable song stuck out to me because i was disappointed in that collaboration between those two artists i i i, I was hoping for more not saying it wasn't he wasn't good it's just you know you knew you knew the potential that was there and it didn't yeah. quite go in the direction you wanted. Yeah. It didn't. Yeah, it just didn't go in the direction I was hoping it would, and that kind of was just like, oh, okay. That so makes sense. It's though. definitely not part of my mini playlist, as you called it. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't make it the EP version. Yeah, I guess another one we can talk about because it's it so it's one that I mentioned. I don't know if it's one that you gravitated towards. It's the song mm. "Reflecting Light," which is the eighth song on the album. I kind of would classify this as like towards the top probably like fourth maybe fifth favorite mm. the, the funny thing is i don't recognize either of the vocal artists however mm. they sound really good habit forming all of my nights were made for morning I just dug like this kind of soulful R&B stylings of this one. It's a bit mm-hmm. slower, a bit more somber uh, than some of the other stuff. Like you said, there is some some somber stuff in here. But I don't know. I just dug the sound. It didn't sound super avalanche to me, to be honest. But yeah, anytime you have like a crooning R&B sounding voice that sounds good like that, uh, I'm on board. So I, I, I guess I feel kind of torn about this song because on the one hand, I do i recognize that it's like a very well-produced song and i feel like there are a lot of good elements to it it's just not one that i have really come back to uh i do tend to gravitate towards more like those slow sort of slow deep sounding songs Mm. 
more mu- more sexy time music than club music, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Which is funny because I think I actually gravitate in the opposite direction more often than not. And I, I think on both of our sides, I'm sure there's exceptions to that rule. But it's, oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But uh, yeah, no, it was good. I liked it. Um, definitely in my top five. Um, so yeah, good shit. For sure. Um, I guess if we were, and obviously we're not going to talk about all the songs as we've mentioned a couple times now, but I guess if we're going to mention one more, I, I think the, the toward the end of the album, the song uh, Born to Lose, I think is worth mentioning. Yeah, I I don't know why this song this song stood out to me. It doesn't say it's featuring any, any artists, but it stuck out to me a lot. Uh, it could be because it ca- comes right after um, the song Running Red Lights, but... Mm. It has a lot of that kind of old avalanche styling to it, but it's yeah, definitely... Yeah, there is some of that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely like more contemporary, if that makes sense. I think those are some of the reasons why I like this one, because it, it did sound a little avalanche for lack of a better phrase. Um, but uh, and it, it is kind of maybe one of the slower, uh, lower key songs, but I feel like instrumentally it's, mm-hmm. it's a good one. And actually one of... I, it seems to sample a number of different things, but one of them is actually the song Bad Bad News by Leon Bridges. I picked that one out. Oh, really? Um, so it seems like in addition to him being on at least one song earlier on, that he also, he also blended some of his own prior musical work as a sample for them. That's an interesting point, actually, and maybe that's the case in other songs, and we just didn't notice. I'm, I wonder yeah. if the artist allowed them to use like other parts of their catalog for the album if they so choose. I would be surprised if there weren't more cases of that actually throughout. Um, I a lot of the names on this I'm not familiar with enough to like pick those out. Mm-hmm. It's almost more of a collaborative of the entire project as a whole. You start to see pieces of those people's music throughout as well, which is yeah. I I, I think a lot of music doesn't do that because maybe maybe a lot of artists don't see they don't envision the album perhaps as a whole as much as the Avalanches traditionally do. Yeah. I'm- I'm curious if some of it is like just licensing stuff too. Like maybe the artist doesn't technically own the rights. It's like the recording studio, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, this song was really good. Uh, Good, good picking out the uh, Leon Bridges. I totally missed that. So um, that's the that's the last song I think that we're gonna mention uh, from this list. I mean, I mean, I think it was like eight or so, or at least uh, seven or eight. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. So I mean, that's that's a good chunk of them for sure. Uh, I, I guess as kind of uh, you know looking at the album overall, and I, I know we've already talked a bit about kind of our overall impressions, but I, I one thing that has stuck out to me the entire time with this is that to a large extent, I I feel like the way this album is styled musically is unrecognizable from their previous work. Like if you, if I had sat and listened to this album without knowing who it was, mm-hmm. it's entirely possible. I could have gone through the entire thing without realizing it was the avalanches. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying there. I, I in, in high, I don't know if hindsight is the right word, but like in, in knowing it's them, there are a few songs where I like, I can pick out that like, Oh yeah, that sounds like something they would do. Yeah. But if I, if I had listened to it blind, I don't know if I would have picked that out. And I, I don't know whether, the, I don't know if that's necessarily a problem, 
but it's just something interesting that I kind of noted myself, and I still kind of feel that way now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you might disagree with me on that, but that that's no, I I, I get what you're saying, I, and I know we've complained about this exact issue with other artists, but <laughs> in this instance, I actually have no problem with it at all. I think they sound good. Yeah, um, it does seem like they're going in a more collaborative direction. It does seem like they're moving a little bit away from just absolute pure, as you called it, plunder phonics sampling. Mm-hmm. But in a selfish way, if it means that we get an album more than every 16 years, <laughs> I'm not I'm not opposed to it. Well, and I think as as we said toward the beginning of the episode, you know, they basically have that same mentality of like, we want to be able to make music without it taking a decade, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's that's a fair point. And, you know, if that's what they want to do, I'm not going to complain about it, certainly. Like, I'm not going to complain about them making more music. Um, I, I just, I think it's interesting to see it moving away fairly quickly. Because even in the last album, like, it still felt a lot like their, their like, style. Yeah. Whereas this one largely doesn't. And I, I think I'm okay with that, more so than I was expecting to be. Because I was expecting to have that be the case and then me being like really like Put off about it. it. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm actually not, I think partially be, I think it helps that I get where they're coming from in terms of like the background of their process of making this album, but mm-hmm. also the fact that there are still really good songs on this album. So if there had been not really any songs or maybe like one song that I liked out of this, I probably would have a different overall opinion of this, but uh, I, I dig it for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of curious who else they might collaborate with in the future. I think that's the thing that got me most excited about this mm-hmm. album. Isn't just that it was a new Avalanche's album, but it was a new Avalanche's album with a collaboration with a lot of other artists that I like. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of other artists that of people that like the Avalanches will probably like as well, or at least recognize. Yeah, It's almost like the Avengers. Like You like them all individually, but then when they team up, you're like that much more excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't... I would say this probably isn't like a, a primary motivation for them but i i think it's if nothing else i think it's a good side effect of collaborating with all these kind of modern people is that it, the cross promotion if you will with the fans of these other artists may end up hearing the avalanches for the first time yeah um, that's a whereas they point. wouldn't normally be exposed to their music so i i think in that sense it's a good thing for them too and it might actually help boost their popularity a bit yeah, that's a very that's a very good point. Kind of that cro- cross promotional of like someone who's a fan of Leon Bridges that maybe doesn't know the Avalanches, they they'd be like, "Holy mm-hmm. shit, they're just riding the coattails." <laughs> well, and that's what I was saying. Like, I I don't think they I, I they don't the Avalanches don't seem like guys who would team up with modern people simply to like make a buck out of it. Like, it seems like they've really wanted to do it for artistic reasons. And I'm mm-hmm. sure like it doesn't hurt their motivation for it to you know have that pro- that cross promotion but I, I don't think that's like at the core where it's coming from yeah yeah i don't think they're doing it for purely selfish reasons but yeah no i thought the album was good um and l- like i said at the beginning uh, as as an as an entire p- work i don't think it it is as solid as wildflower or since i left you but there's a good handful of songs in here that i think hold their own that you know stand yeah by themselves without the context of the album that I think will end up yeah. being like in my top five favorite Avalanche songs. Well, and it's also possible too, cause like, you know, we're looking at this very much in the bounds of what exists right now in their catalog, but 
we could, you know, in four or five years, we may look back at this album and say, oh, this is where they started to make this turn. And then like maybe their fourth album will be incredible in terms of like its memorability long term. Yeah. And we can say kind of looking back to this album being like, oh, this is kind of where the stepping stone that, you know, that they got to that point. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm definitely interested to see what they do in the future. Yeah, same for sure. So, yeah, I think that's about all I got to say. Good album. Uh, Go buy it on vinyl or CD if you can support the artists. It's on Spotify and all that stuff, too. So what else is on Spotify, Kyle? Oh, yeah. Our show is also on Spotify. You, instead of listening to the album, you can listen to us talk about the album. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, you can just search Funk Radio. Um, we are also on, I guess, are we on YouTube Music since they completely fucked that whole thing? That's actually a really good question. I just <laughs> looked that up. Um, I will figure that out, listeners, by going to getyourfunk.com, which is our website, which will always have our stuff. But let me click on the... Google Play button because I'm just curious. Oh yeah, so Google Play Music is no longer available apparently. Um, so what does that mean for a podcast? Actually, that's interesting. Do, uh, do our podcasts now hosted on YouTube Music? How does that? It doesn't work? say that. Damn you, is. Google! So I will have to actually get back to you all on that because I might have to take that link off the website. <laughs> oh no! Um, but yeah. luckily, other places like we said, Spotify. Uh, we're on iTunes. Obviously, we're on GetYourFunk.com. Um, where you can search and find our entire catalog of music, um, including some of the, the earlier episodes that we mentioned. Maybe you want to listen to our review of the last Avalanches album. I guess we are on all of those places and some of those places and stupid uh, Google for screwing up app, or Apple Music, screwing up uh, Google Play, but that's an episode for another day. <laughs> this has been your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Peter. Thanks for listening to this album review. We hope to have another episode for you soon. Um, But until then, I guess you will cease to be listeners. Bye. Bye.